Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for joining us. Coming up on our program today, we'll get details on the second round of market facilitation program payments. We'll talk with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce about how they're going to be handling that, when uh, it's going to get rolling, when checks will be going out. We'll talk about that. And we're going to get reaction to the second round of payments, differing reaction We'll talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Soybean growers uh, getting the biggest chunk of this round of payments, as they did the first round. Lynn Chris, president of the National Corn Growers, will join us. They're not so happy with, uh, again, the penny a bushel for corn growers. We'll talk about that a little later in the program. But we're going to start things off talking with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. Here we are. It's the 11th anniversary of the RFS. And uh, here at the end of the year, though, th- these are not the best of times for the renewable fuels industry. No, certainly not. Certainly ethanol is in a, uh, uh, I don't know how you would characterize it, but certainly a spiral downward. Uh, you know, we have negative profit margins, uh, which we see the uh, planter responding to that by either idling, certainly turning back the throttle. Uh, so we're seeing certainly uh, decreased production, but we're not necessarily seeing it in the numbers. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't look good. It looks bleak for uh, the uh, for certainly the short term in the ethanol market, and it's, a, it's hard to see how we escape it uh, any time in the short term. And there are some things happening, uh, some a real debate, uh, some questioning about uh, contracts and uh, how the trading of, of ethanol is being done or may be done in the future. Kind of bring us up to date on that. Sure. Uh, so so ADM has been doing a lot of selling in the Chicago window since uh, last November, so for the past 12 months, um, even when it's uh, more economical to, to, say, bring ethanol to the New York Harbor or to the, to down to the Gulf Coast, they're still slamming the Chicago window, and that's driving prices down, and, and that's, that's the hub for all ethanol trading. Um, so that's, and that price in uh, Chicago uh, has a implications for prices all over the globe, quite frankly. So, and the way the uh, Platts window is priced, it's only priced in a half-hour window, and it's the last sale on that half-hour window on any business day. So, I, my my suspicion is that you know these traders are getting stomped out. They don't like the fact that that ADM selling influenced so much of that price and controlling so much of that activity. Um, so there's certainly been a lot of losses on the trading end for, for a lot of these guys. And, and I guess more importantly, there is a futures contract that nearly all producers rely to, to uh, pr- protect themselves against uh, you know a, a real downturn in the market. And that, that futures contract is heavily reliant on that plat price, which is only that half-hour window. So the argument is ADM's having... An, uh, an extreme influence not only on the physical price of ethanol, but also the what they call the paper price, um, which is the, the futures contract. And uh, I think people like to see that change. I think they want to see the, the window of time where you, you price physical ethanol change from a half hour to a full day, some average. So if ADM wants to influence the market, they have to sell all day, not just at a, at, at a half hour window. And I'm sure there's other changes that, that – um, 
they're seeking that I'm unaware of. But clearly there's uh, there's folks who are upset at A, at ADM selling so much, um, and B, how that influences the price of not only physical ethanol, uh, the futures market as well. How likely is that to get changed? You know, I, I, I think uh, certainly uh, CME, which is overseas, that futures contract, has a self-interest to make sure the people they do business with are happy, right? And uh, if, if a large part of the market is frustrated with CME, you uh, it, it's not that unlikely for them to respond to make sure they ensure uh, that their business still is preserved. Um, and if they don't, we've, uh, we are reporting that ICE, which is another exchange, is interested in satisfying those frustrated traders. So, you know, I think the, the marketplace will uh, shuffle this out, and I think there'll be some changes, uh, whether that's uh, done by CME or done by another another company. I, I, I do think you'll see some changes. Whether you'll see them, what everybody is seeking, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I suspect there's enough frustration out there um, that you'll see some changes. That will be a story to watch in 2019, that's for sure. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter, for Reuters. Meanwhile, Jared, are we getting any um, signals from EPA, anything as far as what they plan to do with the small refinery exemptions, the waivers uh, moving forward into 2019? You know, uh, I guess informed speculation, I guess, is that, we, uh, that we're going to see less. Certainly, uh, we have seen uh, the RIN values have gone up. You know, I say significantly, they were such at it, they were such bottom out that Going from ten to twenty-five cents is a you know a huge percentage increase, but the the net value of that is still re- historically rather low. And it's my understanding that um, that their small refiners and other folks are bidding up that price in, expe- in expectation that there's going to be fewer uh, small refining waivers granted uh, for 2018, and thus uh, having the net effect of having a, a slightly higher RIN price. So I think they, they see that that was the bottom. So, you know, the market's usually smart about these things, typically. So they're certainly betting that there's going to be fewer. All indications I get from the EPA are they're, they're, they're looking to do fewer, um, and they're going to do it on the back of a, a really low RIN price. Um, but certainly that's something we're going to be watching. What fewer means is in the eye of the older, right? Um, would the would the ethanol industry be happy with 15? I'm not so sure. Um, and either way, Mike, as we always talk, it's probably going to go to court. So all these things that almost all automatically do that as well. So uh, certain things to watch. I think that's the story. To one of the major stories to watch in 2019. A lot of things I think will be going to court in 2019. Unfortunately, it will For be sure. doing be watching a lot of legal battles and cases. Uh, one other note, uh, is EPA still on track uh, to get uh, E15 approved by this summer for year-round use? Yes, they are. Um, it sounds like they, our initial expectation is uh, they were going to do the reset first, um, which is uh, this uh, resetting of all the volumes, and then they were going to roll out the E15. It now sounds like they're going to do the E15 first, and then roll out the um, um, the reset of the uh, obligation after that. So I still think we're looking at a February, late January, February uh, release of the rule, which uh, everybody thinks it gets them under the uh, the window 
at least have the rule approved by the summer, and then then it's up to see how the, a judge probably decides whether it can move forward or there's a stay. I think that's kind of how that uh, script is going to play out next year. Another legal case, right? Yes, I think. No doubt about it. Well, uh, I, I gonna, think. Yeah, it's going to be another big story to watch in 2019. Uh, a lot of them are seemingly lining up here to make uh, 2019, especially the early part, a uh, very busy start uh, for uh, some key ag issues uh, as we start the new year. Well, Jared, as always, thank you for being with us today and throughout the year, and we'll, we'll look forward to a busy 2019. Amen. Take it easy. Take care. Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters, joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're going to talk in just a moment with Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator, and get some details on the second round of market facilitation program payments. Of course, they've been authorized and uh, now wanting to get some details. So we will find out the latest on that with the Richard here in just a moment. Of course, the other big story we're watching to see if uh, they can come to some sort of agreement between Congress and the White House to uh, keep the government from shutting down Friday night. And they're working to get past uh, the spending deadline, uh, the the try to find some, at least, if not something long-term, at least something uh, in the short term to uh, get us through there. But right now, we are looking at the round two of the market facilitation payment program, and joining us is the FSA administrator, Richard Fordyce. Richard, thank you for joining us. Um, tell us what you can about this second round of payments. Sounds like it's going to be a lot like the first round. Well, Mike, it's good to good to visit with you. Yes, it is. Um, it is. It is just like the first round. Um, the same rates uh, on the same commodities uh, as was announced um, back in late August um, when we we kicked off the program to begin September. So, I think uh, certainly uh, welcome news um, to folks that um, that that have these commodities. Uh, I know the secretary, um, you know, worked very hard with the administration to make sure that we could do the second round of payments. And so I think, again, uh, very welcome news across the countryside. If producers signed up for the first round, do they need to sign up again for the second round? They do not. Um, so an initial, uh, an, an initial application sign-up uh, is, is all that's needed uh, to, to be able to participate in the second round. And uh, producers have until January 15th to get to uh, to get to a, a local farm service agency office and and indicate that they want to participate in the program, and then the second step would be to provide or to certify production, um, whether it be you know dairy or pork, uh, the other covered commodities that uh, they're in the program. Uh, once uh, once uh, production is certified, then uh, then they're they're good to go. How long before checks actually will start going out in this second round? So um, it should be just a matter of days. Um, we are we're kind of waiting on the apportionment um, to get the to get the second half funded, but just more that's more of a procedural um, a procedural issue here, and so but we anticipate that to be just uh, here in the next few days. Um, and so, you know, I've heard from, you know, dozens of producers on the first payment, once they had certified production um, and basically completed the the, app, the front end application process, you know, they got checks um, or direct deposit just within a few days. And uh, very positive returns um, from producers that I've talked to, uh, not only the simpl- simplicity of the program, but also... Uh, the customer service that uh, the folks in the FSA offices across the country have been have been exhibiting. So, um, very positive uh, about this. Um, producers are happy. Um, the folks that work uh, for producers in FSA offices, I think, are pretty pleased with the program as well. So, um, so positive remarks uh, on both sides. 
talking with FSA Administrator Richard Fordyce. Richard, if a producer did not participate in the first round, could they participate in the second round? Absolutely. As long as, they, uh, as, long as they're signed up uh, with an intent to participate by the 15th of January, uh, then they would, uh, they would qualify for both the initial payment and the second payment. Um, we've, got, we've had some producers really scattered across more, more of the upper Midwest, but also some uh, kind of in the central Corn Belt that have had some challenges with harvest. And so we've had a number of questions about, you know, I can't certify production because I don't have harvest complete. Uh, you do need to, again, sign up or indicate um, to the Farm Service Agency that you want to participate in the program, and then you have until May 1st to actually submit uh, and certify production. So, so just make sure you're signed up for the program by the 15th of January, and then you have until May 1st to get your production information in uh, to qualify for the payment. Yeah, but don't assume that if you were in the first round, you're automatically in the second round. You still have to notify the FSA office? Not if you were in the first. So if you initially signed up, so let's say you went in on September 4th and you said, I want to be a part of the market facilitation program, and you have, um, and, and sometime between now and then, you had certified production, there is no need for you to go back in. That second payment, that second payment will be automatically triggered um, okay. if okay. you have signed up initially and you have, uh, you have certified production. Okay, well, all right, I didn't understand that then. All right, so it will be automatic. If you were in the first round, if you had done everything in the first round to participate, you will automatically then be in the second round. Yes, yes. Sorry if I was, uh, sorry if I was misleading, but, um, but if you have not been in, so you were not in for the first part, um, and you have not signed up at all, uh, but you, you still will need to come in and sign up. But if you have, if you've already signed up for the program, and you've already certified production, then that second payment automatically is triggered. Okay, that's a, that's a key point for sure. How much participation have you had in the first round, Richard? So uh, a little over a half a million applications. Uh, this was as of Monday, um, about 555,000 applications, and right now about $2.7 billion in estimated payments. So... Um, so, you know, a significant, certainly a significant uh, number. Um, you know, we, we anticipate that application number to increase, and certainly now with the second payment, certainly that estimated payment number is going to increase, and you would think it would be very, very close to being double that. So, um, so you know, and again, we've just, we've heard from, you know, a number of producers really, um, state executive directors from FSA and some states kind of, again, in that Upper Plains states, uh, some of the Corn Belt, that they're just having some issues with harvest. Um, and so, you know, again, we anticipate, you know, additional producers uh, coming in and participating, um, you know, in the days to come. So uh, we're, we're, you know, offices are open and they're uh, ready to go. Certainly um, our staff across the country, they, they understand the program. They can help walk producers through the process. And so we just encourage, encourage producers that have any of the covered commodities um, to get in and um, get in by January 15th and get signed up. Have there been any uh, problems with verification or anything like that in the process so far? You know, there hasn't been. Um, you know, part of the, one of the requirements to, to participate in any of our safety net disaster programs, those kind of things, is that you have to have 
you have to have farm records um, established. And so if you have not, if you are not a, a regular um, customer of the Farm Service Agency and its programs, it may take a little bit of time to get the farm records um, piece of it set up. Um, but not it's not anything that's that's super cumbersome. Um, you know, our our folks can 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 again walk producers through that through that process and and get them through there fairly quickly. But but if you're a regular um, you know if you're a regular customer and have participated in programs uh, in the past, then you're already in the system uh, from a farmer. Really, very it's a very quick process. All right, so let's go over these details one more time. If a producer participated in the first round, then they are automatically uh, in the second round. And again, again, give us the dates that they need to keep in mind um, uh, for participating in the second round if they weren't already in the first one. Absolutely. So um, so sign-up deadline for the program, and again, sign-up means that you want to participate in the program, uh, is January 15th. Uh, and then you have until May 1st, to certify uh, certify your production, so you'll just simply come in and tell us how many uh, how many bushels of soybeans, for example, that you harvested this fall. Uh, that that is your that's your production certification, um, and then uh, then the payments will be triggered. We cannot issue a payment, though, however, until that production is uh, is certified. So. Um, whether you're a pork producer, uh, you know, dairy producer, corn, soybean, grain sorghum, wheat, um, sw- uh, fresh sweet cherries or almonds, uh, and cotton, if you are a producer of any of those commodities, um, then you're eligible to participate in the program. Just, uh, just certify production, uh, indicate you want to be a part of the program, and you're in. And we'll, uh, I'll give you this disclaimer again. Uh... Just for those wondering, Richard uh, is the administrator of the program. He does not set the rates, right? That is absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you've heard plenty about uh, the amounts, uh, especially from uh, some of your corn farmer friends, I would imagine, back in Missouri, right? You know, we have, um, but I think, you know, certainly the formulas that went into establishing those rates, and I have, I've had a number of conversations uh, with producers and organizations that represent some of the various right. commodities, um, and it's um, uh, it, honestly it's a it's a sound uh, formula that that established those rates, and I'm comfortable with having that conversation any day. Richard, thanks for your time. Uh, Merry Christmas, right, happy Mike. holidays to you. Thank All right, you. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Richard Fordyce, FSA Administrator. All right, Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, joins us next for reaction from a soybean perspective. Stay with us on AOA. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What, did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. U.S. stocks open mixed on Wednesday ahead of a Federal Reserve meeting that's expected to set the tone for interest rates in 2019. A defensive tone to the grain and oil seed sector an hour into the trading day on Wednesday. Soybeans rallied on Tuesday. A Chinese state-owned company reportedly bought 15 to 20 cargoes of soybeans for shipment to January to March yesterday. Private exporters Wednesday confirming to USDA sales of 1.199 million metric tons of soybeans to China. The Canadian government says a third Canadian has been detained in China, but an official says there's no reason to believe that the case is linked to the detention of two other Canadians last week. Those cases appeared to be in retaliation for the arrest of a top Chinese tech executive in Canada on behalf of the U.S., Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, Senate GOP leader Mitch McConnell saying he'll introduce a bill to fund the government through February 8th and avoid partial shutdown. Soybean futures trending four to five and a fraction lower in early activity. The recent retreat to the $9 area on January can be seen as corrective in nature. In corn, the March contract down a penny and a half at 384. We've been trapped between resistance at 387 and three quarters and gap support from 378 to 380 basically since the beginning of the month. Chicago wheat march down 8 cents at 524 and 3 quarters, 6 to 7 lower Kansas City, 2 to 3 lower Minneapolis Spring. Live cattle futures, a narrow mix as we await cash activity in the south. Feeder cattle dimed to 40 cents higher, 45 to 72 higher in lean hogs. The Dow up 206 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So once again, this second round of the market facilitation program payments, uh, the vast majority of it will go to soybean producers. Joining us now is Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Your reaction to this uh, second round of payments being authorized. Hey, good more uh, good day. I think that for soybean farmers, this is really good news in the midst of a really difficult time. And if you are farming out there and there's a a dollar sixty five that you're going to receive on half of your production, 
that's helpful. But with this second wave, now every bushel of soybeans you harvested in 2018, you will be able to apply for the $1.65 payment from USDA. And, and while it doesn't solve the market challenge, this is certainly a big help. Yeah, there was some speculation. Wondering, would the second round, even though Secretary Purdue had been talking about it, the, that it was going to happen, there was it was kind of getting to the point where we were wondering because it didn't happen early in uh, December. So it's, uh, it's a relief to have this now here as we close out uh, 2018. It sure is. I, I talked to a lot of farmers over the last several months that were like, you know, we really need the markets. That's really important. That payment was helpful, but the, the markets are what we need. And we agree with that 100%. And that, that is our, that's our number one ask, that we restore the market uh, access that we had with China and that we continue to grow in other markets. We, we have to stay focused on the markets. But boy, it, it, over the last two to three weeks, I had a number of farmers call that said, hey, I'm I'm really expecting this dollar sixty five. I could really use that, and and I think conversations with lenders may have encouraged some of those phone calls. But we were fortunate enough that uh, the president saw the importance of his commitment to soybean farmers to help them through this challenging year, and and the payment was delivered, which is great for farmers in general. We're talking with the CEO of the American Soybean Association, Ryan Finley. Ryan here. Uh, at the last part of the year, in the last uh, couple of weeks, we've seen China make some purchases of U.S. soybeans. Do uh, you see this as a, a sign of things to come, hopefully? Or, or how do you view these uh, purchases? It's significant in that they're welcome after not having them for a while, but certainly uh, much smaller than what uh, we are, have grown accustomed to as far as their purchases of yeah. U.S. soybeans. Yeah, it, it's, a great, it's a great first step. I mean, we were looking last week we saw around 1.5, a little less than that, million metric tons of purchases from China. Um, typically, we would have 36, 30 to 36 million metric tons of exports to China. So when you look at 1.4, 1.5, we have, we have a long ways to go. There's rumors and speculation out there that there may be some additional purchases this week. Uh, in reality, we would have to see some pretty dramatic um, buying by China on a sustained level to catch up and, and even get close to what we've experienced in the past. And, and I don't know if anybody really expects that. But um, even to get halfway to where we've been in the past, we'd have to see a lot of purchases by China. So this is a good first step. At least they're purchasing U.S. beans. But it's still, we, we really do have a long way to go. Ryan, your thoughts on uh, the farm bill that has passed Congress uh, from a soybean perspective? What do you like about it? Well, what a week we've had. We had WOTUS, and then we had the farm bill, and then we had the the mitigation payment that will be really beneficial to farmers. And there's a whole host of things that are moving right now. And I think in the midst of all of that, we talk about the farm bill so frequently that, that we miss the importance of that. And, and I think you can explain the farm bill in a lot of different ways. I like to think of it as a book, and each chapter of that book is going to be helpful for farmers in, in one capacity or another. And it could be rural development programs. It could be crop insurance that it's going to impact, the, uh, the ARC and PLC programs that are out there, conservation programs, uh, MAP and FMD, which is Market Access Program and Foreign Market Development, our ability to go to other countries and promote U.S. agricultural products or what those programs are, 
are designed for. There is a lot in the Farm Bill, and the fact that we've passed it is going to provide certainty in all of those programs that will be beneficial to agriculture and will be beneficial to farmers directly or indirectly um, everywhere in the country. And, and it's hard to lose sight of that just because we talk about it so much. It isn't this fascinating um, policy that's being played out on the talking heads on the evening news every night. It really is some some um, down-in-the-weeds important stuff to farmers. And so we've maintained our commitment to lobbying on that, to engaging on that with getting farmers to D.C. and having those conversations. That's a long way of saying it passed, and that's a really, really good thing for farmers all over the country. You know, the passage of the Farm Bill and the the authorization of the market facilitation programs, a couple of important positive steps here at the end of the year, but even more so because of the overriding issues of trade tensions and disputes, and we're sitting on a lot of old crop, and uh, we've got a lot of products, a lot of crops still to move yet, looking for a home. So that kind of is the is the backdrop of everything as we move into 2019. It is. I think there there are going to be case studies written about 2018. It has just been a remarkable year for soybean farmers. Earlier this year, there were periods of time where the the Chicago price for soybeans was over 10.50. In fact, it was it was close to 11 dollars a couple of different times in 2018. But uh, today, we're right around you know January futures are right around nine dollars a bushel. So if you're trying to, if you're looking at where you were 12 months ago and where you are today, it's a completely different ball game. And farmers have to weigh a lot of a lot of variables when they look at what they're going to plant in 2019. But for, from from our standpoint, we're doing everything we can to make it the best environment that farmers can operate in. And, and it's been tough. It's been a really difficult 2018. But um, Farmers are resilient. We believe in, in the soybean farmer, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a great future in front of us. Yeah, 2018, it's like it was two different years almost, uh, that first half and the second yeah. half, just so different. Hey, you mentioned waters of the U.S., uh, the new rule that was announced. It seems like agriculture is in favor of it, environmental groups opposing it. Uh, it's going to set up uh, a, quite a battle, I think, uh, in 2019. But it is nice to see agriculture and EPA working together on, on this issue. Boy, who who would have thought that would have happened, right? I mean, we have, right. we're sitting down with leaders within EPA to say we recognize that there are requirements and there's laws and there are regulations, but we also need to make sure that farmers can still farm. And, and let's bring a little bit of common sense back to some of the discussions on these regulatory decisions that are being made. And I think WOTUS or the Waters of the United States is a great example of that, where there there is a standard for a reason. Everybody wants to have clean water. We need to have clean water. But how do we go about that? And, and what makes sense? And if, if you're a farmer, you want to you wanna be really smart about how you farm and how you're protecting the waters around your farm. Um, but sometimes there can be a little bit of overreach, and that, that may have been the consternation we experienced with the previous rule of WOTUS, and, and hopefully this one is going to be a little bit better. But as you said, we're, this is going to be tied up in courts. This is going to be a battle going forward. And so hopefully our friends um, at EPA, which is not something we've said a lot in the past, but hopefully friends there will be able to continue to advocate for this. 
And one other issue, it's still to be decided uh, this, uh, maybe this week, is the biodiesel tax incentive. That needs to be uh, done for the biodiesel industry to move forward. Yes, yes, that would be a really, that, that would really complete the legislative trifecta from our standpoint, or at least from a major issue standpoint, if we could see movement on um on getting that done and and ensuring it it does a couple of different things so it's a seven what is the primary discussion that's out there right now is a seven-year phase out so it would ensure for the next seven years uh, biodiesel has a tax credit and incentive for the blenders to to blend biodiesel and that would exist for seven years and it would start at a level and then scale down and so the reason i'm not throwing out numbers is because those levels are are variable but um but it would it, it would be really helpful for the biodiesel industry, which it, if we're looking at the crush of soybeans in the United States in 2018, it was up. It looks strong. And to be able to have um, part when you crush it, you're going to have your meal and you're going to have your oil. And to have a home, a co-product of that oil, which we can turn into biodiesel, is significant. And so it's, it would be critical um, and really, really helpful. I think it would send a strong signal to the biodiesel industry that hey, we are we are competitive. We have this product, and we need to produce it and utilize it. And I think it would just be fantastic for soybean farmers and the biodiesel industry in general to have that tax credit. But we'll see. Congress has 48, 72 hours that they're in town, and and so we'll see what can squeak through in the in the next couple of days. To have that certainty, especially a seven-year certainty that the, the industry has not had, that that would be huge. Right. It would be. Yep, no question. Yeah, I think, it, as you said, would send a signal out uh, to the industry because we have seen in the past the ups and downs of the industry in the years that the tax incentive is in place and the years that it's not. It's been a roller coaster for the biodiesel industry. Yeah, it really has. And I think this would, would not only send the signal that, hey, there's going to be cons- some consistency for the next seven years, but at the after that, the industry is going to have to become an adolescent and stand on its own. And and I I think a lot of people are, are saying, you know, we can do that, but we need to build the demand. We need to build the infrastructure, and, and we're doing a really good job with that. I, I think that there's a lot of people – that are engaged in the biodiesel industry. I mean, we hear about ethanol all the time, and there's a pretty strong footprint. But biodiesel is a pretty remarkable product as well. And and so to be able to provide that incentive the next seven years to develop the technology so we're ready to go would be helpful. Hopefully you'll get that trifecta. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks. Take care. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Well, the national corn growers not so happy with the uh, another penny a bushel in the uh, market faci- facilitation program payments in this second round. We'll talk with their president, Lynn Crisp, next on AOA. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing, 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world your family and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, 
Your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we just heard from Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Soybean growers uh, happy with the second round of the market facilitation program payments at $1.65 a bushel. Again, it it doesn't uh, cover all the losses, certainly, but when you look at the payments, again, the soybean growers getting the, the vast majority of them, Corn growers not as happy. Again, this time, it's a penny a bushel as it was in the first round. Here to talk about that is Lynn Crisp, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Lynn, thanks for joining us. Uh, well, I know you wanted more, but uh, this is where you're at again, a penny a bushel. Your reaction, your thoughts on that. Yeah, Mike, it's uh, good to be with you here today to talk about the market of facilitation program then and uh, National Corn Growers' reaction. Um, I guess uh, we can characterize it uh, as it doesn't necessarily come as a surprise to us that uh, USDA would not have made an adjustment to their calculations as we had requested. Um, We realize it's uh, kind of the nature of the beast uh, when uh, they gather up in a room and uh, talk about some opportunities to uh, provide uh, support to offset the the trade impacts uh, with the tariff wars and uh, come out uh, in a situation where they don't change uh, their calculations, even though we had requested that they include the dry distillers grains and ethanol, which would have been at a minimum uh, and $254 $254 million uh, trade impact uh, or economic impact to our uh, growers. So uh, not too much of a surprise. Uh, we are disappointed. Uh, it's mind-boggling how they come up with a penny in the first place, um, but it is what it is. Yeah, your, your argument has been throughout this process that USDA was too narrow in its scope of how how they determine this. I mean, we all realize that, hey, we sell a lot of soybeans to China, so um, I think everyone kind of figured that on that scale it was going to be in, you know, heavier leaning towards soybeans. But as you point out, you you didn't feel that they took into consideration the loss of the the, the ethanol exports and the DDGs, things like that, which has become, uh, was was becoming a growing market in, in China before all this set in. Uh, yes, that is uh, the, the case. Um, it was a, a market opportunity that we thought was going to uh, continue to in a situation where uh, year over year uh, we continue growing the big crops and need to find the appropriate markets. Uh, it, it was an opportunity that we were looking forward to that uh, 
uh, faded when the tariff wars began. So according to your analysis, you felt that corn farmers had suffered a 44 cent per bushel loss in the price of corn since all these tensions went and the tariffs went into place with China. So that's uh, certainly a lot different than the penny a bushel that you're receiving in these payments. Yeah, when uh, we enter into uh, these discussions uh, as a grower association, uh, we like to have a uh, solid foundation from which we are uh, presenting uh, our points of view. And we had uh, commissioned a study uh, in the spring and leading up uh, to this decision, and uh, it had indicated that there was a 44-cent impact. Well, you know, studies are kind of based upon uh, the assumptions that go into it, and uh, that study was larger than just the China impact. Uh, So uh, if you uh, even uh, take something that is in moderation, uh, somewhere in the middle even, you know, you're substantially over a penny. And to uh, come up with a justification of only a penny uh, is really difficult to do and uh, is just something that we haven't adequately been able to uh, give a good answer to our membership about. Talking with Lynn Chris, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Lynn, on a more positive note for you, uh, uh, you you like the new farm bill? Um, Yeah, there is uh, much uh, to be appreciative uh, about having the new farm bill. And uh, right at the top uh, is just the certainty of uh, having uh, this consideration uh, behind us of the work that is been done over the last couple of years leading up to this point and coming down to the wire here uh, and getting one uh, before, you know, we were in a position that uh, we were going to have to start over in the new year is a major relief. And uh, there are uh, several points in this uh, farm bill, uh, even in the the case that it is not uh, everything we would like to have it be as far as a safety net uh, for corn producers in the countryside. Um, There are some uh, improvements to the Art County program, and uh, the National Corn Growers Association worked uh, real hard in order to uh, gain a provision where after the second year, Uh, producers will have an opportunity to look at making another uh, election between our county and PLC closer to the time in which uh, they have a better picture of what the impacts might be. And uh, we were also very pleased with the fact that uh, we were able to defend uh, crop insurance as a major major, uh, part of the safety net that is needed by uh, corn producers across the country, and uh, that looks to be uh, a aspect of this farm bill as well. Well, Lynn, thanks for being with us. Thanks for your perspective on a couple of big issues uh, for agriculture in general, corn growers in particular. Uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks for being with us, Lynn. Uh, thanks, Mike. It's uh, good to be with you again, and uh, we're 
always in a situation where we're willing to talk about the issues. Very good. Thanks, Lynn. Take care. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow we're going to take a look at, you know, the antibiotic issue is very much in the news again. We're going to take a look at the antibiotic use in the pork industry. That's coming up tomorrow. And we're going to talk trade, get some thoughts on these uh, recent purchases of U.S. soybeans by China, what that means going into next year. Hope you'll join us tomorrow right here on AOA.